Hey friends, thanks for joining us on the Equipping You podcast. Our prayer is that this podcast will encourage and equip Alliance pastors and leaders to live spiritually healthy lives and lead healthy churches. For more information about the Christ-centered Acts 1-8 Alliance family, visit equippingyou.org. Hey, 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 welcome back to Equipping You podcast. This is season 10, episode 2. To be or not to be. Uh, We're coming to you from Columbus, Ohio, the city that pioneered water treatment. Uh, Clarence and Charles Hoover conducted the Columbus Experiment and uh, this was a pioneering effort in water treatment. So uh, every time we take a good sip of clean water, we have uh, Clarence and Charles wow. to, thank, to thank. Did they make the vacuum cleaner too? I think that's different Hoover people. And how about hydroelectric power? Uh, Hoover Dam, are you yeah. thinking? Isn't yeah. that named after President Hoover? I'm just trying to go with it, Terry. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, well, <laughs> I'm Terry, Church Ministries Leader for the Alliance, being interrogated about Hoovers. <laughs> uh, go ahead, Alan. Uh, I, yeah, I'm Alan, um, who apparently knows nothing about Hoovers, but, you know, was trying to practice, you know, being curious. There you go. I like it. So, uh Today, we're going to be talking to Alan Hanna. Who spells his name correctly? I want to go on record saying that right now. Yeah, H-A-N-N-A-H. No, his first name, Terry, uh, A-L-A-N. Okay. Goodness I gracious. Get I get it. So, yeah, I'm double teamed. Alan and Alan and Terry. Two Alans, one Terry today. So it should be. Alan's pastor at uh, Allegheny Center Alliance Church in Pittsburgh. Fairly new to the Alliance, so I've enjoyed getting to know him. And uh, he's also a part of something we're doing for churches from 200 to 900 in average attendance called Equipping You Max, Equipping You Maximum Impact. And so we want to talk to him about that and some of the things that are going on at his church. Looking forward to the conversation. So grab yourself a, this comes from Kirk, Kirk Schneeman in Toledo, grab yourself a dang butterscotch root beer. From okay. Shipshawana, Indiana, came the picture. Wow. Of this. How about that? Sounds good. I like butterscotch and I like root beer, so I, 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 want, I want to try this. I like root beer, but I think it would be ruined by butterscotch. No, no, no. I just had a butterscotch. Andy candy. agrees with me. Sit back, relax. Here we go. So it's our privilege to welcome to Equipping You podcast, Alan Hanna, lead pastor at Allegheny Center Alliance Church in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Thanks, Alan, for taking the time to be with us today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So we like for our listeners to get to know our guests. So uh, tell us a bit of your story, how you came to know Christ, and how you ended up in the Alliance and at ACAC. That's a good story. Uh, I was raised in a godly Christian home. My father was a pastor um, growing up here just north of Pittsburgh in Newcastle. Uh, Never thought I would be back. I remember leaving in the backseat of our car, Newcastle at 16. I will never live in Pittsburgh again. And of course, uh, God brought us back. But um, yeah, I just found the Lord at a young age, like I said, in a godly home. Uh, full transparency. It was my college years at Oral Roberts University before I 
fully understood um, what it meant to be a follower of Jesus and and live that out daily. Yeah. Uh, as far as coming to ACAC, that's a that's a unique story as well. Uh, I did not I was not familiar with the alliance. Um, so I've been on staff here as lead pastor for three and a half years. I started January of 2020. And Great that time is to fantastic. I would highly recommend it. Um, <laughs> it was uh, it was a good year, uh, despite its challenges. But before that, uh, I had spent 25 years as a worship pastor uh, in the Assemblies of God, and then the last 13 years at a non-denominational church. Uh-huh. Uh, about six years prior to coming to ACAC, I moved to take on the role of an executive pastor and was really being developed and since that call to be a, a lead pastor. And um, I won't go into all the details, but really went through um, um, what I know now was a season of preparation for leading me to ACAC, but it was an incredibly difficult time exiting a church from a uh, broken relationship and um, things I won't dive into deeply, but uh, just an incredibly difficult time. Um, but in the midst of that, um, discovered that I was contacted by Slingshot, which is a um, church search firm. And so yeah. here, ACAC, I was in Pittsburgh. Let me explain it that way. I was about 20, 25 miles outside of Pittsburgh. I knew of ACAC. I knew of Pastor Rock Dilliman, but we had never met and um, here they were doing a nationwide search uh, for their next lead pastor. And I was about 21 miles away. Yeah. And lo and behold, <laughs> um, nine months was the interview process. And I like giving our elders and the church a hard time because uh, it was a long journey and process, but one that certainly God um, ordained and was in, and um, I would not want to be anywhere else. Love it here. Fantastic. Well, you just made me feel better about my interview process for this job that I thought was long, but it was only four months. So <laughs> I'm yeah. strangely encouraged by your your pain of nine months. <laughs> yeah. Sir, that's a long time for sure. So one of the habits that we've kind of developed on our podcast, so we stumbled across because we got some good answers in the beginning, is asking our guests who are some leaders that's been influential to them and ministry and in personal life. So what about you? Who's influenced you? Yeah, I'll name a few that um, won't be common names. Uh, the first and foremost is my dad. I, yeah. I, I just have, I have to start there. Absolutely. Just um, not only as a father, but um, him being a pastor all of those years, I'll never forget the conversation with him when I told him I felt a calling into ministry and was going to accept that call. It was one of joy, but also um, dread knowing the experience. But since that time, just really, he has helped me. He's not in ministry anymore, doesn't serve as a pastor, but has really given me great perspective um, in particularly um, how ministry and pastoring is always about people. And, um, yeah. uh, you know, I never forget he's told me, he goes, Alan, you know, the things I remember about ministry aren't the events, aren't the sermons, aren't the things you put, you will put a lot of energy towards. It's the relationships. Mm -hmm. And so I'm very grateful to my dad for that. Um, I've worked at uh, ACAC is the fourth church in uh, the nearly 30 years of ministry. And I would say um, each of the previous lead pastors that I served under 
um, played a significant role in my life. Looking back, they were very unique, very different, but I um, see how God used them to really develop me into the leader and pastor I am today. Um, Finally, you know, I'm a reader, so there are certainly common names, um, guys like John Maxwell for for years in leadership, Erwin McManus, uh, Mosaic Church, um, guy like a guy by the name of Scott Sauls, and uh, love Scott Sauls. Yeah, just phenomenal author, and uh, Mark Batterson would be a guy uh, that I'd put on that list as well. Yeah, he yeah, just referenced a previous guest. We right. had we Scott had Scott Sauls on the podcast a few seasons ago, talking about his book, uh, A Gentle Answer, I believe is the name of the book. Really loved having Great him book. on. Yeah. So I'm actually going outside the normal bounds. I'm going to address a question to Terry because that alludes to why we asked you to be a guest yep. uh, on the podcast. So Terry, uh, a few years ago, as a leader of church ministries, you developed something called Equipping You Maximum Impact. Uh, tell us what this is about, and that'll help us get to know Alan and as well. Yeah, well, uh, it was birthed in the president's office in Colorado Springs, for one thing, as we were having one of our regular meetings one day he began to talk to me about our churches you know we had 900 plus group that gathered mm-hmm. but what about the churches below that level you know we had some things that were targeting our our smaller churches but what about these mid-sized churches so we began to develop uh, something for our churches from 200 to 500 and 500 to 900 uh, and uh, asked Joel Smith a good friend of mine not related uh, to uh, be our dean and kind of develop the tracks uh, to run on. And so uh, we developed this three-year cycle. I should say, by the way, that Orchard Alliance, on the shirt here, uh, funded this mm-hmm. with uh, a grant, continues to fund it with a grant. And so, uh, you know, all of these participants in, in uh, Equipping You Maximum Impact, or we like to call it Equipping You Max, all they got to do is pay to get to wherever we're having this uh, annual event, and uh, uh, the rest of their costs are covered. So we do it on a three-year cycle. There's three things that we're focusing on each year in the gathering and in the coaching cohorts that are a part of this thing. Uh, three traits of a church that's we believe is going to advance the kingdom. Mm-hmm. And those actually parallel with the peak uh, traits, uh, for those of you who are familiar ah, yes. with, uh, with peak. And so this kind of got delayed a little bit by COVID, but, uh, kicked it off in Omaha in November of 2021. We were in Dayton in 2022 at Fairhaven church. And, uh, in this November we'll be at, uh, ACAC Woo-hoo. with, uh, with Alan. So we've had probably 70 people or so at the annual uh, gatherings, and as we'll talk about later, room for more. And if you're a church of under 200, you are not left out because we also do Equipping You Dynamic Influence, which is a web-based uh, training, equipping session, and uh, you can tap into that as well. So we have something for everybody, Alan. Yeah, it sure sounds like it. So, Alan Hanna, back to you. Uh, you are one of our coaches for equip- Equipping You, Max. Uh, tell us about the nine essential elements of church health, three each year uh, that are the focus, these peak elements. Yeah, I'll go through the order 
which you mentioned we were in Omaha uh, two years ago. And so that year we tackled three at a time. And that year we tackled spiritual leadership, effective organization and personal growth. And then last year during our time in Dayton at Fairhaven, we hit mission focus, which is one of them, vision alignment and alliance partnership. And then this year, the third year, we're going to hit the final three here at ACAC, as you mentioned, which is worship gathering. Uh, actually, I've been asked to tackle that one. Yeah. And then financial stewardship and loving community. Great. The nine peak elements. Yep. Yep. Yeah, that's great stuff. Uh, and that's also a previous guest. We had Kim Valenzuela. We uh, did. Who we leads did. that effort now, uh, the peak effort. So, yeah, it's great. Lots of connections here. So uh, what are some of the characteristics of equipping you max that make it attractive uh, and beneficial to pastors who are part of it? Give us an inside look. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to focus on one relationship above everything. Yeah. Um, and I would put a word in front of that intentional relationship. Mm -hmm. um, all of us as pastors, uh, it can be very lonely. It can be very stressful. Statistics show that. I, I think we're all aware those that are in ministry. And so what I appreciate about equipping you, Max, and even in our cohort, I think if those guys were here, they would say the intentionality of building relationships with other guys, other people who are going through what you're going through. Yeah. When you talk about um, stress of, of dealing with staff or um, congregational issues, personal leadership and development issues, balancing family life with demands of ministry, you're you're in the trenches with people that get it. And so you don't have to explain it. And so um, just knowing that you're not alone is huge. Mm -hmm. um, there are times where we share uh, in our cohort, you know, we always start with what's happening in your personal life. How can we pray for one another? Um, there have been times I've gotten a text or I'll send a text in our group. Hey, um, I know your son's having surgery today, just praying for you. And so I, I, just the relational connections and intentionality that you get in equipping you um, are beautiful and uh, really encouraging. Yeah, boy, it's been obvious in our two uh, national gatherings that people just love being together and uh, maybe spending time with people that they wouldn't ordinarily have the opportunity to spend time with across crosses district lines, and, and so it's, it's really been a beautiful thing. Talk about some of the dynamics that you're seeing in your coaching cohort, Alan. Certainly. Um you know, the relational part is huge, but, um, you know, we do focus on um, specifics, best practices, the nine peak elements. And so um, while you're you're getting that spiritual and emotional support, you are encouraging one another and, again, sharing best practices. Um, you're cheering each other on. Uh, I, I can think of a specific, it was, I think, two months ago, uh, we were in our cohort and we were sharing, okay, what's the number one challenge that you're facing right now? And one of the guys in my group, uh, he looks so stressed. And so we're diving into the Zoom call and we're waiting to hear. And he he was saying, we have a, we just have a huge parking issue. He goes, we've had to start a third service. And he's, and it's a legitimate problem. I'm not making fun yeah. of it. But but it was like, it's one of those problems that you want to have. His yeah, yeah. Is, I've had worse problems in my ministry. <laughs> That's what me and the other guys yeah. on the Zoom call were like, man, I wish I had that problem. Yeah. But 
those are the kind of things we talk about. Um, we, you know, spark ideas off one another and inevitably it's, Hey, I've gone through this or tackled that. And so, um, it's, it's really unique. It's really helpful. And, um, I, I think the guys in our group would, uh, would agree to that. Yeah. That's great. So you got the small group experience with the coaching cohort. What do you like about the uh, annual gathering? I mean, getting together with you, you put 70 pastors together. Um, you'll, you'll have some fun, believe it or not. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <And> so, <laughs> the pastors are fun. They are. Yeah, Most we, of them. We are. Yeah. It's, it's, it's the, well, again, it goes back to, we all get it. We all understand. Um, as much as we uh, may say it's not like this, we're very used to putting on masks and our Sunday best and, and this is an opportunity where you're around people that you you can feel very comfortable and um, you can let your walls down. It's a safe place mm. to do that. Um, you know, it just, the other thing is, too, like we're on Zoom now and um, our cohort meets on Zoom because we're all spread out across the country. So this is the one time you're actually in person. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. you know, there, there are just communication dynamics that are missed um, via Zoom. So it's a great time to connect, to hear from great speakers, to be challenged, to have small group discussions. Um, one of the things I really appreciate, too, are, is seeing the unique church context. You know, you mentioned we were uh, at Mark Ashton's church in Omaha, David Smith in Fairhaven. Those two churches are very different. Um, come November, being here at ACAC, we're in a unique context, very different than Fairhaven and community. Um, but even it, it's great for me um, walking through down the halls, seeing how they do signage, seeing worship space, students, kids, parking lot issues, all of those things, regardless of your context, um, you're going to walk away going, oh, that's I never thought of that before. Or that's I can take that back home and and put it in uniquely in our home church context. Yeah, yeah, that's good. So, Terry, it's time for another question for you then. Yes, sir. Uh, this sounds like an inviting thing to be a part of, so how can pastors be a part of it? Well, uh, we welcome newcomers. Uh, we try to provide an on-ramp every year at the annual gathering time. It's not like you had to be in the first year and get those three things uh, and then the second year and get those three things, they all kind of stand alone in a way. So you can come in in session three and, and, and be just fine. And we hope to keep running these three-year cycles uh, as long as we have interest and as long as we have money. Mm. Uh, so uh, if you're interested in your church that's average attendance is 200 to 500 or 500 to 900, if you're a little bit below 200, we'd be okay with that. Uh, contact your district superintendent and have him submit your name to me, and uh, we'll get you on the list and uh, and get you in there. So, uh, you know, the guys that have been a part of this really love it. And yeah. uh, I think of a pastor from Washington, PA, who found out one of his buddies was going to be in it and said, hey, Terry, can I get involved in this too? And I said, absolutely. And uh, he's just been, uh, you know, profusely grateful. Uh, for the opportunity. So we'd love to have you as a part if you fit the description and uh, contact your district superintendent. That's great. So Alan, you're pastoring, uh, apart from equipping you, Max, you're pastoring in urban Pittsburgh. Your yeah. church has intentionally stayed in the urban area rather than uh, 
heading to the suburbs. What are some of the challenges of urban ministry and what do you love about urban ministry? So this is a two hour podcast, correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Keep going, man. Joking. Um, let me address that in a couple of ways. There are practical challenges and then there certainly are um, what I would say spiritual or even philosophical challenges. So practically speaking, our church is on 2.3 acres, as you mentioned, in the heart of Pittsburgh City, uh, Pittsburgh here on the north side. Yep. It's an ur urban context. Um, we have just under about 2,000 people that worship on a weekend, and we have 75 parking spots. Wow. And um, They should all fit in that. <laughs> Get them to carpool. <laughs> um, well, and and I would say, you know, our congregants come in, you know, we do have, we have some that walk here. We have some that maybe oh. rather bike here that live fairly close. But then we also have people that come in from the suburbs of Pittsburgh. And so you've got people coming into the city. Um, if you're not familiar with Pittsburgh, we've got several tunnels, which can be challenging. Yep. From a yes, it can. Standpoint. So, again, these are these are real practical um practical challenges, but 2.3 acres. And um, there are things that happen, especially during the summer. Uh, Pittsburgh Marathon is a pretty big marathon. It always happens in May. And the race always runs um, by one of the streets of our church. Yeah. And I can't remember who it was this year or last year, but at one point we're doing construction, which we may talk about in a minute. Yeah. So we had on a weekend where we have four services, 2,000 people coming in, we had a, um, a road that was closed beside our church because of the race. And there were other roads in the city that make it were pos possible, tough to get in. We had construction happen that, again, the city had the road shut down. Yep. We had 75 parking stops, spots and we had construction. And I mean, you had to, I mean, we made it about as impossible as we could <laughs> for people to come to church, but people do it. Uh, Taylor Swift was here, uh, I think it was like three weeks ago on a Friday and Saturday night. And I mean, there are cars parked everywhere, um, people going to the concert and then people trying to come to church. So there are always those challenges. And we look at it, you know, you can fight it. Um, or you can you can embrace those challenges and say, um, you know, this is this is our city, this is our community. Mm, and yes, we, we can choose to 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 love them and uh we have to see, we're like two two blocks away from pnc park where the pirates play um a little further is heinz field so on a sunday afternoon as we're letting out of church you'll see steeler jerseys walk by and so we just choose to embrace it um we choose to love those that um, may be going to a ball game or concert instead of church and we just hope that um by even a short interaction that we have um they're going to see Jesus in that. Yeah. Some of the challenges were a very diverse congregation. Um, our, our mission is to follow Jesus in diverse community. We first and foremost, we follow Jesus. Um, we're not a diverse community following him. Um, following Jesus is first and foremost. Amen. However, we understand that we do that in a community that is made up of we're diverse ethnically, generationally diverse, socioeconomically diverse, and even politically so you can imagine in an urban context, next year's an election year. Um, I've asked our elders for a year sabbatical. Did not <laughs> Smart man. Good try. Good try. Um, because we have Democrats in our church. We have Republicans in our church. Yep. Um, we have an older generation that wishes we would sing hymns every week. And then a younger generation that wants this. Um, 
again, the socioeconomic differences in our churches in our church is very challenging. And so that plays out um, in a in a myriad of ways. Uh, we received new members last week, and I, I always tell them when they join our church and I remind our congregation, if you're looking for a comfortable and convenient church, ACAC is not it. Yeah. Um, it, it, at some point, you're going to be inconvenienced. Some point, you're going to be uncomfortable. Uh, but I believe when you read Scripture, uh, God hasn't called us to be comfortable or convenient. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that is true. Yeah. That is true. Um, so you referenced, actually, some construction that uh, made it difficult uh, to make sure people really wanted to be there. <laughs> Anyhow, tell us about that construction. What's it all about? It's not just a building. It's very specific in purpose. Yeah, so I mentioned earlier, I've been here three and a half years. So this uh, project started before me and huge credit to my predecessor, Pastor Rock Dillman. I'm sure many of our listeners know um, Pastor Rock still attends our congregation. He served here for 36 years. He's still part of our church, preaches occasionally. Him, he and I have a great relationship. Um, but this church in 2017 began that conversation of building a building. And of course, there was conversation uh, like our sanctuary only seats 750 people. That's max. And I, we don't come close to that just because of um, how close everybody is. But um we opted not to build a bigger sanctuary, which I think was a lot of wisdom. And um, we instead, we had, uh, I mentioned we're on 2.3 acres. We had four buildings on 2.3 acres, but none of them connected. Two of those buildings are over 100 years old. Wow. Uh, one of them was a sanctuary that was uh, built in the I think late 70s, maybe early 80s. And so to get from one building to the next, you had to walk outside. Mm -hmm. uh, and so what we have built, we're calling it the community hub. It is a hub in one sense that it connects all four of those buildings. It is a hub in another sense, hence the name community hub, because we believe it is going to be a door, an even greater door to our community. Mm -hmm. um, it's going to be a, a building, and we talk about this a lot. Um, it's a tool. That's all it is. Yeah. It is a tool. Mm -hmm. But is it? A, it's a tool that's going to allow us to be the church Monday through Friday, not just on Sunday. Um, we're putting a coffee shop in there that'll be open seven days a week um, with playground equipment. So we're right next to a park. So it's gonna be a place that's open, a uh, safe place where mom and dads can bring kids, college students can come and study. People who work at the hospital across the street from us at AGH can come in and get a good cup of coffee bef before they go into work. And we just believe it's going to spark great conversations for those who um, don't want anything to Jesus, don't know they need Jesus. Um, but we believe that um, it's just going to open doors uh, to engage in meaningful conversations and for them to experience the love of Christ uh, in ways maybe they haven't experienced before. Mm, love it. And the building is a tool. Seems to dovetail a lot with the uh, vision of relocating the national office and what we're doing in the uh, multi-purpose sure development. Sure does. Sounds yep. very similar. It does. Well, Alan, uh, we want you to know that we're glad you're a part of the Alliance family. And uh, I love being a part of the Alliance. Yeah. It has been a joy really has. Yeah, great. So I, I've enjoyed meeting you and get to know you, and, and uh, you've led worship at our Resonate one year, mm. and, uh, you know, been a part of equipping you, Max, and so just really a privilege to 
keep getting to know you better. So thanks for taking the time to be with us today and sharing your heart. We appreciate it. Amen. Thank you guys. Really appreciate, uh, Alan, that the other Alan, Mm. even though he's new to the Alliance, is interested in being part of the broader Alliance family. He's not just interested in local church, but he's interested in investing in other pastors, which he's doing through equipping you maximum impact. I mean, he's not so new. Between the two of us, we average 19 years of Alliance experience. (laughs) You're so funny. (laughs) No, seriously. I am very grateful for the way he's leaning in. I mean, you know, less than four years, already involved in Equipping You Max, already led worship at Resonate. Uh, Just, and he even alluded to some people he knew in the Alliance, and boy, he's getting networked fast. He is getting networked. So encouraging. Uh, So thrilled, actually, that he referred to several previous guests on Equipping You. He did. Uh, And that's really encouraging as well. But, uh, you know, I just really, uh, there was an air of humility and graciousness about him that I really enjoyed. Yeah. Uh, He's a man who is humble and comfortable in his own skin, and that's what it takes to follow somebody like Rock Dillman. Yes, for sure. And that Rock's still in the church. That's a tribute to both Alan and to Rock. It really is. It really is. So Alan talked about uh, in the community hub that they're building good conversations happening. Yeah. And that's our theme next time on uh, episode three of season 10. Heather Holloman will be back with us talking about conversations and a book that she's written on conversations. So we'll have a conversation about conversations. That sounds like a great conversation. It does. So uh, hope you'll join us next time. Until then, keep the faith. Thanks for joining us on this episode of the Equipping You podcast. If you liked this episode, please consider subscribing and sharing it with a friend. For more information about this podcast and other ministries of the Alliance, visit equippingyou.org.